Hello and welcome to the Rigori Podcast, the only place in the world where VAR now stands for Venezia a Resurgent. I'm Giancarlo Rinaldi, the man so old I can still remember when Italy used to qualify for World Cups, and joining me this week is an unusually chipper Marco. How are you, Marco? I'm very good. Two victories in a row that I did not see coming, I have to say. I don't think anybody saw those coming. Do you know how long it is since that happened as a Venezia fan? I mean, it feels like about 100 years, but um, I can't think that it happened this calendar year anyway. You'd be absolutely right. I look back because I'm sad like that, and I look back and it was actually November last year was the last time it happened when you beat Roma 3-2 and then Bologna 1-0. That was on the twenty wow. first. That was on the twenty first of November, two thousand and twenty one. So, if anybody ever calls Marco a glory hunter for following <laughs> Venezia, I think he has the proof of that. Because I saw things on social media saying, "So this is what it feels like to win two games in yeah. a row." And I think nobody more than Venezia fans can uh, can truly see that. But I mean, it sounds like a a good win. I read the match reports. The great the the man named after the goalpost, Poyampalo, got a couple of goals, and your your goalkeeper Bruno Bertinato seemed to have a great second half as well. Is that the, yeah, how things incredible. went? Yeah, I mean, actually, I have to say, first half was a bit of a smash and grab job because I would say we sort of started slow, scored off the first chance that Poyampalo got, then Ternana for me dominated the game. We couldn't seem to string passes together. Um, and it looked more and more like they were going to get an equaliser. But then at the very end of the first half, um, a nice bit of play from your favourite Dennis Johnson uh, played in Palo, who finished it well again. So suddenly, um, you know, we were we were looking good. And second half, we actually played much better, actually. Just um, controlled the game a bit more. And as you say, Bertinato, who was standing in for Joronen, who's been one of our players of the season, he looked very, very dodgy on crosses. And a couple of his miracle saves were as a result of his own (laughs) cock-ups on the crossball. But uh, yeah, he pulled off some amazing saves. And towards the end of the game, he had a couple of saves that, that, you know, let us win the match so yeah all all round a good day I would say I mean a bit early to say that Vanoli is the cure of all evils but he certainly seems to have done the trick and, and no honeymoon period for um, Ternana they they sacked mm. Lucarelli brought in another Tuscan Aurelio Andriazzoli a man who interestingly for well only really for me possibly for you used to coach Castel Nuovo Garfagnana which is is, yes which is a a team um, anybody who knows Scottish Italians will know that many of the the Glasgow and West Coast Scottish Italians originate from Barga and Castel Nuovo is a a village nearby, a town nearby. So yeah, that's where he started off his career. Others might remember him from he had the spell as sort of caretaker at Roma and then Empoli as well. But anyway, no no great joy no great joy for him starting off. But Vanoli looks to be has he changed the the way the team plays, Marco, would you say? No not uh, not in terms of a system. We're still playing a sort of um three five two, but uh, he does maybe play he's got um Chernigoy playing 
almost in a kind of number 10 position, which is unusual, but it helps the attack, I think. And he's shown trust in uh, Dennis Johnson, who has repaid it largely. Um, he seems to be a bit better at making the right decision when he's when he's got a bit of time, which was always his mistake previously. So maybe that is down to Vanoli. But I, do, I said last week you could see that he'd worked with Conte, and I still think that that is the case in terms of, you know, that that first half was classic, getting outplayed, but still um, still going in with the lead. And then the second half controlled the game pretty well. I still think, personally, that we are um, in need of two or three players to properly improve the squad. We're desperately missing an actual number 10. I think the midfield's pretty light all over. And really, we could do with a better central defender as well. But... You know, he's improved it. It is early days, as you say, but two wins in a row after over 12 months, you can't really can't really knock that. No, absolutely not. And I think, I think that's, is that your first win at the Penzo this yeah. season as well? So, you know, the fans, home fans will finally have something Those to... Those three that were there. Yeah, to finally have something to cheer. But, I mean, I believe that the chat amongst the three that were there was a lot to do with the um, social media. Anyone that's tuned in before we'll know we've had our rants and Marcos had his run-ins with um, Venezia's social media but it appears that um, the hierarchy in Venice has come down on the side of, of Marco Rinaldi and the disgruntled Venezia fans tell us tell us more yeah so um, just to summarise for people that don't know about it but the social media has been whoever's managing Venezia's social media has been um, quite forward in taking a front with fans who are largely, you know, being civil and voicing their frustrations with the team and the system and the social media for concentrating on marketing rather than football. Um, But there's been DMs to fans, long-time fans of the clubs, telling them they're talking a load of shit. And, you know, I was told I was talking bullshit and all these various things. Um, And... uh, it, 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 this week they, they banned or they blocked uh, uh, Cecilia Tonon, who is one of the vice presidents of one of the fan groups, and she got an article in the Gazzettino that sort of highlighted it, and that seems to have done the trick. I I I, I was also um, sort of vaguely referenced in that article as well about my my running with them, but. Um, Niederauer, I'm pleased to see, issued a statement saying that the social media conduct has been unprofessional and everyone's entitled to their opinion and fans should be allowed to voice that as long as they're doing it civilly, which I think is entirely correct. Um, No one's saying that personal insults should be allowed, but um, the, the way that the social media has been acting has been wrong. It's driven fans away from the stadium. Yesterday was a horrible day in Venice in terms of the weather, so it's never... a nice place to go, the pen, so it's not very covered, um, and it's right on the outskirts, so you get the brunt of the weather. But at the same time, this all season there's been hardly anyone. I think we've sold maybe 800 season tickets or something like that. So um, there really needs to be a proper um, uh, sort of coming together of the fans and the club. And Niederauer's statement, at least, is the first step in that. Um, whether he should have known or whether he did know about it anyway, you might ask but for me he's acted when it when it's been brought to his attention he's going to speak about it more tomorrow I think in the press conference so I'll be interested to see what he says then but hopefully 
we can start to have some bridges built between the two and we can have a social media you know venezia fans can can not feel afraid to voice their frustrations lest they be blocked by the club that they've followed for decades yeah i mean and if anywhere can build bridges Surely it's exactly. a I, I set that one up for you. <laughs> Thank you. Yes, absolutely. That was good. Slam dunk there. That was an easy one. Thank you very much. But no, it's true. I mean, we've said this before that um, some of the statements that I've seen have been, I mean, robust would be an understatement, combative um, mm-hmm. and downright hostile, some some of them. And so, you know, if, if something can bring a bit of peace um, a couple of good results always helps as well, no no doubt about that. But it is, I think, um, long-suffering, as we've already stated, Venezia fans will be pleased that at least their president seems to have their ear and have their backs and, you know, maybe this can build something positive going forward. I think great, great if you can market your strips all around the world. I think that's fantastic. But you want a team that's doing well on the pitch and as I say for the first time in a couple of years you've got that so fingers crossed maybe it's just this spell without Serie A and the Rigori podcast turning its full <laughs> yeah, attention it. to, to Serie B that's that's done the trick but you, you, Venezia uh, kicked off the audio wouldn't you? I, was, I was just going to add one more thing on t- in terms of the club which is that we have also which to me is almost more encouraging is that they seem to have acknowledged that there has been an absence on the football side of things because they finally appointed a um, DS, uh, a sporting director this week, um, this appointed Antonelli, uh, who I think was at Monza. But that was a position that's been empty since, uh, well, officially since the summer, but I think really for the calendar year because Colauto fell out with the, the Menta and all the others that are at the club. So... Um, I'm hoping that there will be more football-led decisions rather than algorithm-led decisions in terms of buying players and stuff. And that will see an improvement on the pitch as well. And that certainly, as I say, it certainly seems to be finally heading in a good direction. We've we've long lamented on here many things going wrong. So good to good to see that things heading in the right direction. It was Venezia that kicked off the Serie B weekend this weekend. We also had, I suppose, a big match when um, Cagliari and Parma went toe to toe, shared the spurs. I think that had a definitely a nominee for clangor of the weekend. I don't know if you saw the yeah. the Parma goalkeeper Chichizola, who sounds like he could be the product of a sort of a, a marriage between um, an old. Chelsea frontman and um, a showgirl, I think. But anyway, nonetheless, tried to dribble out from his own box, and uh, unfortunately, Pavoletti was there to pounce. So that was a, a share of the spoils, a share of the spoils there between two big names currently stuck in in Serie B. And then today, the, I suppose the game that that stuck out really to me was the, the ongoing trials and tribulations of Daniele De Rossi at at Spal. He really hasn't as he's Troubles to seek and um, another another defeat today. I was looking at his record, Marcus. Since he's taken over, played eight, won one, drawn three, lost four. There was that mm. one that one win where they cut loose and and scalped Cosenza five 0 But since then, nothing. And this was a derby game. It was the first. It was the first time 
I think in 21 years that Spal and Modena have crossed swords and it's the, the first win in Ferrara for Modena in 39 years. I mean, I, I am still old enough that theoretically, anyway, I could remember that. But, you know, given that Modena were down to 10 men for for most of the game, this was a pretty a pretty big blow for De Rossi. Yeah, I think so. And it just shows, you know, we've, we've talked about this before, but it shows how difficult Serie B is. And the need for a manager that understands it, I think, is is what it demonstrates. Um, you know, De Rossi's not had any managerial experience other than being part of Mancini's team for Italy, which obviously is good experience, but not like the day-to-day managing a team. Um, and there really isn't much room in Serie B to to sort of bed in. I think that, you know, Cannavaro's found that at Benevento as well. Every team can beat every other team in Serie B with the exception maybe of Frosinone this season. But, um, so, yeah, it's going to be difficult for him. Obviously not ideal to lose that derby. I mean, it had everything. It had goals in the the 96th and 97th minutes, red cards, own goals, but um, went against him now. Taco Pina is the owner of Spal, the previous uh, owner of Venezia. Um, I have to say, Taco Pina is a man. When he was at Venezia, he he showed quite a lot of loyalty to his managers. I think because he likes to handpick them, so I think he'll be slow to get rid of De Rossi. But that could be to to Spal's detriment. I mean, they were a wee bit unlucky. I, I did watch. I did watch the highlights from that one, as you see, and, and Modena. But really, when you go down to ten men, um, after sort of half an hour or whatever, um, you, you should be looking to. And they did, in fairness, try to push forward. But they just they seem to have this chronic difficulty with goals. And then, as boy, we've flagged up before on the podcast, Luca Tremolado is in. I don't know if he can get an assist for an own goal, but he took the corner. <laughs> he took the corner that Lamantia um, struck past his own his own goalkeeper to give um, to give Modena a lead. So I think it shows again just what a tough old league it is. That, yeah. I mean, because even there we were today. I mean, we've spoken of Sudtirol before, and hardly a fashionable club, and yet they gave Frosinone the scare of yeah. their life this weekend. But for a late late goal, that would have been. You know that would have been a victory and a big and a big scalp, and then you've got like sort of Como that have, uh, are there with you know pretty big names behind them, pretty big names on the pitch as well. Really, Cutrone, um, Cherry, people that you know you'd Fabregas. think Fabregas also, yeah, uh, yeah, that you know, and yet they were held to a draw by another ten man performs Ascoli. Um, an old Fiorentina man, Gondo got got sent off for a, it was a. It was one of these ones that looked horrible on VAR. Went to, I think, in in his defence, I think he was trying to do that thing that strikers do where they put their leg in front of the man yeah. to get it kicked. But instead, he just leaked his studs right down his leg, and in, in slow motion, it looked horrendous. It was no no surprise that they were they got. But again, you know that should have been Como on Easy Street, but it, it was anything. It was anything but so Genoa losing to Cittadella as well. That might, you know, could be. I think they were booed off the pitch there, so doesn't look good for doesn't look good for them. So it's just no respecter of reputations, and that's where I mean De Rossi's the only thing that's saving him is Cannavaro keeps losing at Benevento. Yes, so exactly. He's, yeah. he's not. He's not quite 
the worst of the of the four of the four World Cup winners, as we mentioned in the past, he's not quite the worst, but um, but he's certainly it's a hard job, and you know maybe that loyalty maybe will turn it round because I see there were some signs there in the in the football I thought today that they were a bit more expansive, they were creating more chances, but how how patient you can afford to be if they drop down into the into the relegation zone, I, I, I don't know. I mean, it is mad that if you look at the table, Perugia are bottom with 12 points and you can be in the playoff spots, ten point, it's only 10 points up to the playoff spots. So, I mean, you're, you're, you know, a little run of two or three victories and you're right back up the table again. So, yeah, you don't know in Serie B. It's always it's always exciting, certainly. But also exciting, uh, even though no balls have been kicked, <laughs> or certainly only in a metaphorical sense, <laughs> in Serie A. Um, some, some perhaps metaphorically have been kicked in Turin. All sorts of stuff kicking off at, at, at Juventus. Marco, have you been have you been watching that? And what's your what's your thoughts on it? Yeah, I mean. It... It's not a good advert for Italian football again, is it? And, you know, Juve's reputation tarnished by Calciopoli recovered, you know, largely, but now will be tarnished again by this. It's, I don't know. It sounds... And there seems to be differing stories about whether Agnelli resigned or whether he was forced out or, you know... I don't know. Because it's the Italian system, it'll probably take years before we finally get the, the to the bottom of the and issues. It, but... and, and it'll all be probably a statute of limitations. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Clear everyone eventually. <laughs> I mean, what, what amazes me is that this seemed like an open secret yeah. in, in football everywhere, really. I mean, I can't... The, the, I mean, to, if you've had your head in the sand and not been looking at the, the issue, the plus valencia, the overvaluing of players and transfer deals, and everybody looked at some of these deals and thought, you know, what? You know, it's, it's like as if, you know, me and Marco were transferring between clubs and say, well, that old baldy, he's worth about a fiver, and the youngster, he's worth a, a tenner. But to make that five pounds difference, let's call it a hundred pounds and ninety five, and then it boosts your accounts because it looks like you've taken in a hundred, and I look like I've taken in ninety five, and we all we all live happily ever after, and we we sneak round financial fair play regulations. And that, but it, 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 what amazes me is that it's taken so long. Perhaps yeah. perhaps not because it's Italy, um, but <laughs> but it, but you know it, it, it does seem to me that it will probably have. Or it should probably have wider reaching repercussions than just I mean, from what I read, Juventus again seem to have had the the best operators, the people who did it <laughs> in style. Yeah. But, you know, that obviously it takes two to tango with a with a transfer deal, so you know, somebody else must be must well, be uh, cooking their yeah. books I too mean, at the, th- at the other end right. of that I deal. Su- I suspect it, they're not going to be the last club to be affected by it. But I don't know, it's kind of frustrating, isn't it? Because you look at a club like Barcelona that are, I don't know, I'm sure I read at one point they were a billion in debt or something like that. But, you know, they pulled the levers, whatever the hell that means, but they've got levers that they can pull. And that somehow allows them to then spend the most of any club in Europe during the summer. It makes no sense to me. But these clubs are run entirely on debt anyway. So, you know, you're getting into questions of economics and stuff but the, but the trouble is I think 
as an Italian football fan is that Juve are in the news for it. Juve are in the frame for it. They've had the Calciopoli scandal. And so they're going to be tarnished with this. And by extension, it will tarnish all of Serie A because everyone will say, oh, look, they're just cheats, blah, 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 without really looking at the details of it or thinking about mm, my club is is massively in debt as well and has done some dodgy transfers. But Yeah, no, it's, it, I think I've said this a hundred times. The Italians... They do. I mean, they don't just do their dirty laundry in public. They wave it around and show it to the to the world to see. Uh, there are other countries where it seems to these things seem to go on, and you know, I don't think anybody really is is squeaky clean. But it, it usually look like they're going to be the poster boys once again for for the Plus Valencia, and that's going to you know they're going to be hit hardest by it. I don't know if it'll mean. Points, penalties, financial penalties. As you say, did they jump or were they pushed from the from the top mm-hmm. of the structure? Do they hope that when the storm dies down, they can all come back? I, d- I don't know. You know, I mean, I'm for one, I'm glad if I never see Pavel Nedved on television again. <laughs> that'll be a that'll be a bonus. Um, but you know, well, I, I did quite enjoy it when they lost occasionally. Right enough, I suppose it was good fun. Seeing his face then, but you're you're right. See, in serious note, it, it's another blow to the reputation of Italian football. People won't scratch the surface; they won't dig deeper. Mm. I, I, I guess they'll just say, you know, another another scandal. I mean, it's, this is not match fixing. I suppose it's it's more akin to you know what we would call financial doping. I suppose it's more it's more a way of. Work, working with accounts and you know I, I, I wouldn't profess to be a, an expert in that field I mean I know the Swiss ramble on Twitter very good for for kind of unpicking these things and looking at just but when you look back if you look back at that sort of the I think the Pjanic Arthur deal between yeah, between that's one that jumps out it is, is you know but it jumped out at the time though that's the yeah. thing is that people sort of you know eyebrows were raised at the valuation of those players at the time but it, it was almost like you were just allowed to it seemed like that was what football did that you could just pick a figure out of the air and say that player's worth that this player worth this and you know we, we want to you know we reckon there's about 5 million between the values so we'll just ugh, let's say 60 million and 55 million away you go and I, as I say without being an expert in finance I don't even know how that's possible but it's certainly it'd be a fair old boost to your books right enough if you can add those if you can add those figures in and it's going to make you know, another yet another kind of poisonous atmosphere when yeah. Serie A does return. It's a it's a stick for other clubs to beat Juventus with. Um, so you know, very good. But you know, but it's, it is it is unfortunate as I say. This is just all blown up now, and it's going to be something that's going to up to a worldwide audience. It's going to make Italian football look. Sordid once again, and and in Italy, it's just going to fuel more as if we needed it more suspicions and and allegations once again. But you know, at least 
Venezia won two games, so we, some exactly. some good. There's some good in the world of culture. So, William Palo is now worth a hundred million. Yeah, well, that's right. Yeah, let's put that deal in with <laughs> Juve. You know, if only they can't do them anymore. Unfortunately, you know, otherwise you could have you could have done that deal. But as I say, it was it seemed to me an open secret. Um, but you know, it's now brought down some big names, and the repercussions are going to be felt for. For some time to come, and we'll we'll be keeping a we'll be keeping an eye on them. Anyway, that's our episode for this week. So we've ranged across a wide range of sub and things we didn't expect to be speaking about. Venezia victories, um, uh, Juventus being involved in a scandal—that's more predictable, probably. <laughs> um, but thanks for thanks for joining us. We are going to carry on, as I said, um, through the through the, the that minor tournament in in Qatar we're going to be we're going to be chatting on about Serie B um, until it shuts down over over Christmas so please you know thanks for listening and please join us again and if you can share this share this love with people please do let them let them know the, about the Rigori podcast far and wide and we'll be back again next week with more after another two Venetia victories possibly because there's a midweek round of games as well. Oh my lord, if it, it <laughs> may not Marco may have spontaneously combusted if Venezia went four games in a row that'll be, that'll be I don't think we've ever done a podcast in those circumstances we'll definitely, <laughs> yeah, we'll definitely be too excited to record to record anything but fingers crossed it's, it's because as you say Marco those wins have boosted You know, from looking almost forlorn Venezia are quite comfortably mid-table now and another two yeah. two wins could put them on so come back next week to find out if the Venezia um, upturn continues or will normal service be resumed <laughs> see you then bye